0: Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 20 of The Dive. I'm Jat, joined by Kobe and Azale, who are clinking dive mugs to celebrate how entertaining (laughs) the LCK LPL Rift Rivals was, (laughs) and how non-existent the NA versus EU Rift Rivals was, and how it was delayed until next year. Yeah. Uh, But actually, we're gonna talk about both Rift Rivals today, what happened in NA versus EU, what happened in LCK LPL, and then also talk about State of the Game and NA LCS Week 4, which is upcoming. But first off, we have to note that we lost the dive for you bet. And we will make good on it, but turnaround time on a high quality promo is long. So we'll have it probably by next week's episode.
1: Honestly, I have a positive outlook on this. You know, any anything that I do, I want to do it well. Yeah. So <laughs> now we've got a new project, and this is actually an opportunity for success here. Exactly. We're gonna make a good promotional video for our, our good friends over in Europe. They need some of our help. Yep. And really we're being charitable here. Yeah, we've got their back. You know, this is
2: gonna be like an Oscar winning. Oh, it's gonna promo. be good. It's yeah. gonna be
1: heart wrenching. There's gonna be drama. It'll be mm-hmm. incredible. Why did it come about, though? I think we should dive into uh, how we lost to Europe because mm-hmm. to a lot of people watching and to to us as well, we were um, very shocked at how North America, well, a lot of the teams, um, they would give these joke answers like, oh, if we play against Heimer, we're forfeiting at one minute. Yeah. Um, instead of, well... We know, that, to Heimer, like, we know that we know that guys like yeah. Then they lost to Heimer um, every single time. Yeah. Uh, as well as to Atrox every single time. Yeah. Um, while there are players in North America like definitely that took the initiative to you know to to find out from guys like Heisen Dong. Mm-hmm. You know there are resources there. High ELO, Challenger Heimerdinger, players. So you know learn the new meta and learn that stuff. He wasn't in this tournament. Um, and it seemed like the teams that we did have in this tournament did not put the full emphasis on Aatrox or Heimerdinger um, or even really get that good at uh, funneling comps
2: yeah and, and to me like the the Heimerdinger one is feels more egregious because EU has been doing it like the whole since split, week one right and, and it's even been an LPL it's been an LMS it's been uh, I think even maybe once in LCK not positive I can't remember but either way it's it's been around for a while right so and I don't even feel like you had to play Heimer but learn a strategy against Heimer right you know like again kind of referencing that Heisendong video and one of the eighty carries he talks about that are really tough for Heimer to deal with is, is Sivir right you know like Silver can spell shield a lot of the stuff very easily. You can ricochet down the turrets. Like, there, there are some things that should be a decent answer. And if you really can't learn the champion in time, you don't have a counter pick, then you just need to accept, well, we're at a disadvantage in pick ban and you have to ban that champion, right? But like, it just seemed like we didn't prepare from any angle. We couldn't play it. We didn't know what to play into it and we didn't ban it. So we kind of failed on all three counts. And yeah. I'm
0: actually pretty disappointed because we played on eight, patch 813B which was actually something that had been hot-fixed a couple days before the tournament. And the pro team said they would rather play on that patch because it's more preparing them for the next week of LCS and their standings there. So I think it's completely unacceptable that NA had less practice on Aatrox than the EU teams who literally had to travel from Europe. (laughs) So they lost two days, one and a half days in transit, and they were the ones that knew how to play new Aatrox compared to North America who had nothing to do but practice while EU was on the plane.
1: Yeah, what I was going to say is, uh, while the Heimerdinger was more egregious to you, my eyeballs could not handle the beatings that these Aatrox were laying upon, especially Echo Box, both Phoenix and Huni, um, definitely felt that one trying to continue to pick renecton into him yeah. um i mean i i played like one game of Aatrox because i got autofilled to mid lane i was like ah whatever uh i'm autofilled i'll play Aatrox uh you know the new champion uh because i was into galio and i was like ah, it could work and i went legendary the first game and i was like he's broken <laughs> this guy's insane um results was analysis hell exactly. yeah exactly <laughs> but um Like you're saying, uh, in the top lane, it seemed like there was just this super high first pick emphasis, um, from all the EU teams, you know, not just a couple of them, uh, on the champion. And maybe it was a case of our teams are, you know, trying out these counters and are like, okay, you know, this Mm. Renekton they they found something with that, Mm -hmm. or um, I really liked Fiora, uh, from what I saw from it in other examples of high Soloq solo queue and stuff um it felt like because you know our teams the other way to look at it is our teams mm-hmm. were like okay we're gonna play it on the new patch and we're gonna learn a lot during Rift rivals so when we get back to lcs yeah then we're yeah. gonna have then we're gonna practice. ban it it's like these, yeah
2: th- those were the scrims that they were trying it out against right exactly it's, instead it's, of like doing those scrims before Rift rivals yeah then use it in phoenix, Rift Rivals. phoenix goes in on renekton he gets slammed and he's like yeah but he probably just played <laughs> he didn't it, didn't it play bad. Renekton he probably just enough. played it bad i I can do this. Well, now hands. we know
0: for sure. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So one other thing that I kind of want to point out is uh, I also didn't like what the NA teams ended up doing with their rosters. Mm-hmm. Obviously, 100 Thieves had executed the Medios trade the week prior to Rift Rivals, and they had submitted Brandini and Levi to their roster. And that's worth noting because... They couldn't necessarily play Onda since the trade had happened after the roster lock. So, therefore, they were playing their sub roster from Medios, who they'd. Traded away. So, like, I, I think when 100 Thieves hits LCS, they're not even going to be playing the Brandini roster. This is just my guess. They're probably going to be playing Onda and someday. So, they were playing a roster they'd never played before at Rift Rivals. And Echo Fox as well yeah. wanted to get DeMonte reps because he's been suspended for all of the spring split. So, they were playing with weird rosters that they hadn't necessarily put forth before. Their whole thing is about having like two different bottom lanes one that is Adrian and Lost, and the other one that is All and Fang. But mm-hmm. they didn't actually bring Fang or Lost lost so they had to play with a mismatched bottom lane as well the mistakes and the disappointment like goes on from not only champion pool to also rosters that the na team submitted so those are some of the reasons that i think na lost to eu at rift rivals but i think the most prominent one is the fact that europe was just more practiced on the strategies that they brought in and i thought most of their strategies were better
1: yeah their teams definitely deserve to win Um, but looking at from the other side just to argue maybe for the organizations a bit Mm -hmm. um, while we don't you know like those didn't give us the best chance to win all those changes and stuff True. and some of them you know their hands may have been forced right there's been so much talk about what was going on inside of the team Mm. and how things were not working out and from their view they want to be as smooth as possible when they start playing the LCS games again mm-hmm. to try and qualify. Because 100 Thieves, they have a very good chance at qualifying for Worlds yep. in their first year. Like, that's yeah. insane. So, to me, still, what happened inside of 100 Thieves to to spawn all these roster changes and the media mm-hmm. drama and all that stuff, it had to have been super dramatic. Yeah. Because um, if I was in charge... Of that team like I would have done everything in my power to not have that come about right so first you just made the finals your brand is blowing up so there must I I'm giving them the benefit of now I'm like there there must have been some crazy stuff that was going on that they're just like this it cannot work mm-hmm. because, long term at least yeah because from the yeah. outside you're like okay i would you know there's the problem here though is you're using logic right <laughs> and i totally
2: understand it from the logical team owner and team perspective but i want to be a salty na fanboy and be pissed that our teams didn't take it as seriously right like it did feel like the european teams came in more prepared uh you know better practice on those on, on on the actual strategies g2 clearly look like the best funneling team they knew atrox and Heimer. I, I was actually like kind of blown away when I was looking at it. So EU got eight wins at the event. Uh, NA got five. Five to four in the mm-hmm. groups then three to one, right? Seven of their eight wins were Heimer or Aatrox. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> like, come on! So uh, with that then... Uh, last year, NA smashed EU at Rift Rivals, and yeah. that <laughs> caused EU to change the way that they play.
2: Mm, so you're this guaranteeing year. Guaranteeing us two
0: teams NA out of three. They got blasted by Aatrox and Heimerdinger. And when I look at pretty much every single high solo queue game or every single pro 80 carry bot lane player, they're just spamming Heimerdinger now. <laughs> Is this like the kick in the butt that NA needed to try and actually play mages and try and emulate some of the stuff that Europe did?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say if this spawns a a change in the holistic view of how they approach the game then yes if this but if this is just literally specific cases of this champion and that champion beat us all right we're going to learn these two champions mm-hmm. then like that's not going to do anything for us okay not they'll 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 learn harmony or whatever he may or may not even be good by the time yeah. worlds comes around or whatever um, but if this if this was more of a big picture eye opening thing, uh, then it would be beneficial, and we right. will take
2: something totally from agree. it. Totally agree. You you have I think if this teaches you anything, it shows that the EU was better at innovating, that they were better at, at mm-hmm. kind of adapting. And, and
1: historically, and, they have been like that has been one of the biggest strengths.
2: Yeah, so I, I think that's like the the takeaway for the NA teams, if there really is one, is is to. You know, be more willing to spend some of your scrims trying out these new strategies, being able to actually like investigate them more thoroughly, try new things, be willing to take more risks in your scrims because if you're always just emulating what teams are already doing, you're just like always a step behind. I think you have to be kind of a- a- on the forefront if you really want to get good international results.
1: And yet, our most successful team at Riff Rivals was Team Liquid. Double played Kaisa every single game he could get him- he could get her. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did have a disappointing upset to Splice Against Heimerniger. But, yeah. Where a double got <laughs> exactly.
2: one shot. And an Aatrox as well in that game, I think. It yeah,
1: both.
0: TL yeah, went, the two-for-one yeah. combo. TL went T- a combined uh, two and two. Two and two. Yeah, yeah, and Echo Fox went two and three. So by hair... Team Liquid was more successful than Echo Fox. Yep, and and I, I think my my thing again is, is not that,
2: oh my god, NA, why didn't you play these champions? It's just, you need to understand your strategy well enough and how to play into the champions, right? Like, we don't, like we, we've seen in, we, we'll get to LCK and LPL, but like a lot of the best teams are playing purely marksman. You don't necessarily have to play a major bot, but you do have to put in the time to understand what these champions do and how to play around it. And I think that uh, very clearly there was tons of examples, not just from the people laning against it, that our players did not understand what these champions were doing i i saw so many times uh, the HRxw w the infernal chains where people would get pulled the they, yeah they try to run out the back <laughs> which you can't do they get pulled back in the middle and then they flash because mm-hmm. they, they they don't even understand that they're going to get reset like uh, the Levi Hundred Thieves game against G two, that was another example where he's popping off on on Graves in the final fight. He gets Infernal Chains and then doesn't flash out of it, and then gets pulled in back in the middle of the team. Then flashes in, like you know that happens so many times. People just don't understand even what the characters are doing, and that's just so that's just unacceptable.
1: I would counter with um, there's a difference between understanding and there's a and and uh, the muscle memory and the reactions because mm-hmm. um, while you can look at it and read it and understand, okay, this ability. You know, the lays down a slow zone. If you don't get out, uh, then it's going to pull you back in or whatever, and the back is super long, so don't try running out the back. Um, I have still even been in situations where, like, in the fight, there's mm-hmm. so many things you're tracking. Um, like Levi, in that case, he's trying to literally one view 9 So of he's course, like, yeah. all right, there's a stun coming from here. I got to worry about this guy. You know, the damage is open here. And he's, like, looking at all these things. You don't yet, because you haven't had enough reps against that, have that ingrained in the process uh, you know, of your decision-making, which is literally, in League of Legends, is, like, the most the most important part about the game is that everyone has these instant reactions, right? Because yeah. they've been in situations. That hasn't been added to uh, the list yet. Yeah. Uh, but I, I totally agree with you that th- those are the types of things that it probably doesn't take too many reps uh,
0: yeah. before... I, I do want to combo off that a little bit before we move on to the LCK LPL Rift Rivals, because I was I was thinking about this over the weekend. We hold are pro League of Legends players to such an incredibly high mechanical standard, right? It's always, oh man, that guy was at Azonia's, but they missed the taunt, the timing was off. What a mm-hmm. boosted play. When I think about, when I was playing uh, like Guild Wars, for instance, if you're playing a, a Hammer Warrior that has knockdowns, you can chain your knockdowns together and they called it quarter locking, which would be if you, there was a quarter second to cast certain spells, you needed to be able to time your second knockdown within a quarter second. And there was only, like, a handful of people who could do that reliably, and they were considered Mm. the best. Yet, it's just expected that literally every pro player has perfect timing out of Zonia's, has perfect timing out of GA, has perfect timing based on other stuns, taking into account tenacity. Like, the stuff that some of these guys are doing uh, is actually super, super difficult. Mm. So, I agree with you that, like, it looks really bad when they're running out the back of an Aatrox queue, and, like, it expires before they're out of it, but they could also just not have the timing down yet. Right? Like, I think it's s- gonna last a little bit longer.
2: Like, I, I agree with you, but it's also <laughs> the HRX chain, I don't think is a good one to one comparison because you literally have like yeah. a second and a half. Mm-hmm like it's like it's not like oh my god but you need these incredible reactions you want to like,
0: save your flash if you think it's not going to pull you back and you think you're going to make it out the back
2: yeah right? but I, the second I, I think people just still didn't even line. like recognize it a lot of times but yeah. uh, but I, I do Agreed. totally uh, understand what you're saying and I think I think part of it is we hold them to such like high standards because this is a game that like 100 million people play and they're the best of the best and right? they've and, been pros for five and, years and they've been pros for years and you know that is that is the level that you expect right like it's it's the it, same thing when you watch the NBA or the NFL or you watch any of these top level sports when people mm-hmm. make mistakes that are tiny mistakes that I would never even be able good enough to get to the
1: point where I could make that mistake you're still disappointed because it's a different standard yeah the biggest difference there is that our game that they have, are at the top of constantly inter- changing yeah it introduces these new things mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. because you are the best at the current game when something is introduced you're also expected to instantly be the best at what is new. Um, and that is a very difficult thing to test.
0: All right, we'll get to that, but LCK, LPL, Rift Travels Finals was super exciting. It went five games. They had a slightly different format because they had four teams from every region, so all four teams had to be blind submitted from both teams until game five, which was a fresh submit by both teams. This had LPL winning 3-2. Kobe? I was, what I
1: was gonna say I got so hyped just watching the vods from this because you're talking about like how how fun it was to to watch this. I mean, ours was ours was fun. Uh, you know, watching it live and, and mm-hmm. playing through it a little bit less fun for us because we were losing. But <laughs> it was th- fun up until up until TL <laughs> lost the splice and it was black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the first game when Echo Fox upset GT. That was fun. It was fun. fun. That we were was popping fun. off. Um, but I. Whenever I review VODs or whatever, you know, we're studying for Worlds or studying for MSI or something, these international tournaments, uh, and you're going back and you're grinding. It's it's 100% work, right? It's you don't you don't really approach it with like super excitement for the game. Um, <laughs> but these ones, this is one of the first times in a long time that I've been opening up the next VOD like, oh shit, let's game game number two going because yeah. the crowd is insane. Um, it's incredibly close goes all five games. Like it came down to the LPL's worst place team. They had the, the Rogue Warriors, they're number four uh in the LPL right now, and they had to clutch it. And they were even like losing at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, and so they brought it back and they gave the chance uh, for RNG to come back in. It was like, um it was definitely a super exciting roller coaster. So I don't want to like spoil a lot of the games for people if they're interested in you know, going back and reviewing the VODs. Okay. But there are some interesting things that I think we, we can talk about, right? Like some of the champion differences
0: uh, that we saw and some of the, the strategy differences that we saw. So a couple of things on that. I was tracking the strategy diversity because in the NA versus EU final, there was actually, uh, like, G2 ran funnel mage bot versus a standard Echo Fox, and Echo Fox one. But then the next three games, it was literally mage bot versus standard bot, and the mage bot would just win all three times mm-hmm. uh eu uh or sorry in the lck final first game kt versus ig mage won. Second game a funnel lost against a standard comp from rng standard is used roughly as mainly like you yeah. carry bottom you have like an atrox mid and we're still considering it standard just uh, based on our definition a funnel actually won the third game from a freak of freaks a mage bought won the fourth game uh that was that was the really crazy one from Rogue Warriors with like a Smite Karthus counting as a mage bot. And then the final game was actually standard versus standard because the funnel was disrupted when Xayah Khan was picked away from each other. So this was actually the most equal to me uh, as far as like differences of strategies. There were multiple funnels tried. There were multiple mage bots tried. There were multiple standards tried. And they all actually had fairly equal success. Yep. But Azale, what were your thoughts on the LCK LPL Rift Robo Finals? Um, I mean, I- I'm just honestly pretty excited
2: that League of Legends no longer feels like a one-horse race to me. Like, mm-hmm. that that it's... this. There has been enough, sh- like, showings now from LPL at this level. They won Rift Rivals last year. They won Rift Rivals this year. They won MSI. Yes, they lost at Worlds. But, like, if you mm-hmm. count Rift Rivals, that's three of the last four are LPL. If you don't, then one for MSI, you know, one for Worlds. And, and still, the Rift Rivals have got to, like, nudge the needle a little bit. Mm-hmm. I just think it's so exciting to see that there's so many teams that are actually competing on this level, and I saw a lot of talk on social media about, oh, well, it doesn't really count because Griffin wasn't there and Griffin's so good now. Oh, it doesn't really count because SKT's not playing that well anymore. Mm. Oh, well, Kingzone's not at their best form. When have we ever had to make any excuses for LCK before? right? Like That alone, Mm. to me, shows that times are changing, where you take these four top LCK teams, they lost straight up in what seemed like an extremely competitive, extremely serious uh, event. Based on the player reactions, Everyone was going. Yeah. And, and the interviews, I mean, like, you're listening to Faker talk about, like, it's all about winning for the region. Like, it doesn't matter what else happens, you have to win for the LCK and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, these guys are taking it seriously. They lost last year. I, I think, whether you think it's the, the most serious event or not, that was a wound, like, a wound to their pride. Yeah. And, and we see LPL come out again. We see them I take them down and. I mean, I just think it's so exciting to watch like these two regions clash at that high of a level. Uh, I didn't love watching the LMS games minus Flash Wolves because those didn't feel very competitive, Mm -hmm. but like the LPL, LCK games were super exciting. Um, You know, I was super impressed that there was like a, a diverse range of strategies. And also, I, like you know kind of just being selfish for myself I, I love seeing that marksman were succeeding quite a lot as well right like i still love uh, for all the people that are complaining saying that marksman are no longer viable i can just keep on pointing to uzi because uzi is smashing with marksman they're playing mostly standard they're finding ways to make marksman work and i think he's been so incredibly successful at it and and his team is playing at such a high level that it feels like you know this is a team that can challenge for the world championship
1: yeah, to your point about not having to make excuses for the LCK ever before, uh, it's I think we're we're very clear like moved on from the era of uh, you know SKT or Samsung White is are the best, you know, mm-hmm. Korea is number 1 without dispute and we can then, you know, seed all of those teams at the top and then start to debate who's coming in second and and who's going to like fill in the rest of the list because we've already been proven like the next the the one who was supposed to be the next king and you know and come in was King Zone, right? Yep. They've already failed multiple times at international yep. play. Uh, and no matter how hard they um, won whatever regular season games, the it's it's definitely feels like we've moved past that era. Mm-hmm. And while there are other competitors and you're like oh my god these these new guys Griffin like Mm -hmm. all these random uh you know unheard of players like that's our our new best team or whatever it doesn't count because they weren't there that's a crazy thing to say yeah right you're like oh well you didn't play against our team of rookies that has been winning all these exactly so uh it definitely is uh you know way more exciting as far as how open the international events are going to be um so definitely looking forward to this year as well
0: yeah do you want to throw in a little bit of devil's advocate though? Because do you remember <laughs> an MSI back in 2015 in Tallahassee? I do. When EDG defeated SKT, because that was another time where the Korean exodus had just happened, right? Korea lost all of Samsung, a lot of their best players to the LPL teams. The LPL won MSI. Going into Worlds that year, we're thinking, how good is LGD no. going to be? We were. I, we I, were thinking you that. You brought this up before, and you're like, oh, it's just the same as I'm not saying it's the them. same, but I'm saying there are similarities, and we need to talk about what is different this year from that particular thing, because Rift drive was a tournament that mm-hmm. didn't exist. We don't know what the results would have been from there, but Game 4 of the MSI Finals this year was like a 10,000 gold comeback from RNG. It very well could have been a Game 5, much like the EDG back in 2015, but... I have what I think is different, but I'll let you go. What is different about this iteration of LPL versus LCK being even? Not only do year? we have
1: more examples, like this, the size, sample size is much bigger mm-hmm. uh, of the defeats
0: of LCK. Based on Rift Rivals.
1: Well, based on Rift Rivals as well as uh, their teams at Worlds, even though they ended up winning Worlds, uh, they lost a lot more games. LCK last year? Yeah. Yes,
0: SKT uh, had a harder time, but but well, Samsung
1: swept through. That's true. Samsung yeah. did sweep through, uh, sweep through. But um, yeah, in addition to there being more examples, more games, I had another reason. <laughs> and you interrupted. I mean,
2: R- RNG <laughs> is, is, now I forgot. is like it's like the all like almost all Chinese team, right? Like, yeah. they, like that's that's one thing that does give me more faith too. That it's like their region is actually just developing. There's mm-hmm. so much talent coming in when you look at like you know, I love, like you look at uh, Jackie Love and you look at like IBoy and mm-hmm. you look at all these guys. It feels like they have this feels more built up than purchased, which gives me more faith in yep. their region as well as as the fact that there is this massive sample size. You know, it's it's not just you know one example and. Riff wasn't there before to your point but i do think like it's it's also really exciting that it's not just edg beat you know skt Mm -hmm. it's a number of different yeah. LPL teams are are taking games and, and you know being successful against the biggest teams. Like Kingzone was zero and two in the group stage, right? Like, yep. Uh, you know they they have been struggling, but it's not just them, right? It's not just any one team. Lots of LPL teams are winning. Lots of LCK teams are losing. It just feels like more and more of a pattern is being built up. Okay,
1: I was gonna say it was in addition to the number of games, it's also the if you watch the games in mm-hmm. LPL, they're also more varied. Yep. Um, and that MSI where EDG won. It was it was very hype. Like that was a super yeah. hype, you know. Best of undefeated LeBlanc game five, baby. exactly. Boom. But it came down to game five, and I just thought they had an extremely good draft. I remember, yep. Uh Maulkei, you know, the Morgana
2: uh, came in as well. I uh, think it was Mckayla Sandoval counterpick. No, for the, it was Morgana. Morgana. And it was Morgana. 100%. It? Oh,
1: okay. Ha. Yeah. My memory's bad, but it's not that bad. I was there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, and everyone was getting like super hyped up. Um, but after that, the feeling, at least like around the people I, that I saw on social media, and like they were like, "Oh, this is like super exciting." It was an upset. But it was an upset, right? Mm-hmm. That that was that was kind of the take on it. Um, because it wasn't LPL is better. It's EDG was better one day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and they were like, oh my God, that's such an intelligent, you know, they totally baited them into this LeBlanc, like uh, they fell for it every, mm-hmm. you know, a hook, line, and sinker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was super impressed with that. But now it's it's so much more about the whole region, like Azale was saying, rather than that kinda kinda one example. Yeah. I think that's I mean, the biggest difference. I
0: agree with you that it feels different. I just wanted to bring up the other side because yeah. I think Back then as well, there was a recent interview with the LPL coaches after winning Rift Rivals, how they think they have actually made changes to the region that make them stronger. I've been saying for two or three years, based on the player base in China and the player skill, Mm. that it should just be a matter of time before LPL is the dominant region. And it always kind of blew me away that Korea was maintaining such dominance over them. Um, and then, especially the biggest outlier was always the Rocks Tigers, the Koo Tigers, or the right now King's Own Dragon X, because that was the closest to five guys in a dream that pretty much anyone had. Like it was literally yeah. just these five guys who were struggling to get sponsors, and they were like the best team in the world. So, all these arguments around like org structure and coaching didn't necessarily apply to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the LPL now, they they're, they're claiming that the organizations are actually empowering the coaches who are now more experienced coaches before than they had before. So what happened before, so they say, is that there were all these super talented players, but as soon as they became pros, they just became these like spoiled entitled players who you couldn't tell them what to pick and you couldn't get them to practice the way you wanted. And the players just ran every single team. So even if you have all the talent in the world, they were never as organized as the LCK teams, but now they're not where they want to be, but they're closer to having that level of organization that they've, that the LCK has been able to attain with the larger player base. So now, with two Rift Rivals, with MSI, I think it's becoming a much more level playing field.
1: So theoretically, the player base argument fully makes sense, right? You have more players, that can't hurt. It it should help. Yep. Uh, that hasn't always correlated, though.
0: Nope. No, because there's there is culture, there's practice, there's a number of people who are actually trying to be pro, like yeah. all those things.
1: And there are a lot of regions, like uh, NA's definitely has like a, a small player base, mm-hmm. um, but like Brazil, Vietnam, um, both have very big player bases. Yeah, I think, mm-hmm. and I think Vietnam has the second biggest player base now. It's, pretty, it's huge. Yeah, but That's what I'd, there's seen some article. It makes sense, though, right? There's no way that having more players playing your game is going to hurt your chances. Yeah. You have uh, you, it's. A, uh, but it's you not the only odds are going to be in your favor. It should help. Yeah. Right, but it doesn't guarantee
2: it. They also have access to you know to playing in Korean solo queue and things like that. Some of the Chinese For players LPL, play, yeah, play yeah. Uh, you know in the LCK like, anyway. solo queue, which helps too.
0: Final question then: Who would you favor to win Worlds after after this? The LPL or the LCK? You're way too early prediction. I mean,
1: then you kind of uh, siphon it down into which team you're picking. And mm-hmm. RNG is definitely the frontrunner right now.
0: We need to mention that Uzi is temporarily stepping down as well because of an, a shoulder injury that his doctor says he needs to rest. Keep in mind that he took off the first half of spring split as mm-hmm. well because of a wrist injury.
2: Last year. La- no, last or, split. Oh, yeah,
0: you're right. Like, literally the spring split. Yeah, yeah, split yeah, and then
2: off. Off. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah,
0: all the way until the Lunar Year. Yeah, because IG. then. Did IG he take off some too. last year too? Yeah, he takes he, off a decent amount of time. Yeah. So not worried about Uzi's shoulder I guess I'd say LPL. I mean, I, I
2: think I'd favor RNG. Look, I don't know that I necessarily favor all their teams over all the other teams, mm-hmm. but the fact that Kingzone has been uh, failing internationally consistently, the fact that uh, SKT is looking, like, weaker than ever... Um, Griffin. The fact that Griffin has has not about shown 80. me has not cho- KT
1: didn't lose any games at Riff Rivals, bro.
2: The fact that they didn't even think that they were good enough to send out again. Kobe. Um, Don't but, send out the undefeated team of chokers. Yeah, Kobe. exactly. <laughs> um, but but I mean grip, Griffin, you want to be like, oh, but what about Griffin? And and maybe they will totally perform. But I just I can't like if I had to bet right now, if my life depended on it, I couldn't bet on a team that I've never seen play on the international stage because griffin right now like i said earlier feels like Zone a year ago yes it is like Zone had more experienced players and so on but it felt like this unbeatable team you could never crush this team because they have too much talent they're too good they're too like they work well too good, you know and then we saw King Zone go into worlds in and, and get slammed by samsung and yep. and then lose at msi and then lose here so until until they show me that they can do it i probably won't believe it if i had to bet today it's on rng
1: lpl's favorite yeah to address the Uzi thing though, he because he's taken <laughs> injury time off mm-hmm. so many times, I'm not worried at all. I don't even consider it an injury time off anymore. You I think it's feel vacation? Like, I feel like that's what they say when he wants to take a break because he's so rich and he can just stream and he can, you know, do whatever he wants. He's literally the most popular player in the most populated region. Yep. So,
0: biggest league star.
1: He can actually do whatever he he's wants. Probably and, just the biggest any game star. And he still comes back every time and he kills it. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, he's taking his breaks and he still came back and he still was, uh, you know, the best AD carry. So you can take a break then, Uzi. Go ahead. All right.
0: That was cool. Who are you favoring? They also, also their backup. There.
1: wait, what was their backup's name? Because He was good. Yeah, Abel was actually yeah. good too. They mentioned though. that
0: he's actually won all of the matches he's played in the summer split so far. Yeah, and he had like twenty kills in yeah. one of them. So he smashes. Who are you favoring? Got to answer the question. I said I said RNG LPL? at the okay. beginning. Okay. I'm gonna give <laughs> LPL fifty five forty five. Okay. There you right go. now, I predicted RNG at MSI as well. I've been. Hoping that Korea falls for like decades, but (laughs) no more. Forty years ago, it was supposed to be us (laughs) and hey, who takes down Korea? No one thought that except us. Yeah, it was supposed
1: to be everyone who's. I didn't say it was going to be, but it was supposed
2: to be. I'm with you on that one. We're aligned. We're aligned. All right,
0: we're moving on to the meta. Yeah, I want to talk about state of the game a little bit. Even though we don't have patch eight fourteen yet, we still have a lot of developments from Rift Rivals and kind of what that means for the game. I thought that Reckless had a very interesting interview with Travis over MSI. As many people know, Reckless benched himself for Whippo earlier on in the split, and he said some stuff in the interview. He basically said that in Fnatic's eyes, eighty carries should not be playable if you have a talented mage or bruiser player in the bottom lane, and that as they move towards playing better and better competition, it's the superior strategy. So when Travis pushed him to basically say, well, what about all these other teams that are winning with AD carries? Reckless said, well, I think that's because they're playing against first-time Vladimirs, first-time Swains, and they're actually just not doing it properly. So as far as Reckless's arc, he thought they were gonna buff up 80 carries Mm -hmm. again, And now that they haven't, he's now starting to play the mages, so he's kind of in this murky ground where he doesn't feel like he has a place. Uh, However, we are seeing still different teams taking different approaches, and I wanted to kind of update again where we think the meta is. Is it in a place where there actually are three viable strategies of Funnel, Mage Bot, or Standard? Or is there one strategy that's starting to reign supreme and it's just a matter of mastering the champions?
2: I think that being able to do all of them is an advantage, but being you can, you can succeed doing any of them. I mm-hmm. think that they are all viable, and I think for reckless to say that the only reason uh, you know other teams are really successful is because the people they're playing against aren't playing it well enough is like. You're living in a dream world like that's that's just you being in denial to say that you know uzi and rg who's beating everyone in lpl and who just beat everyone at, at riff rivals and like that no one can play these champions i really don't think that it's it's only in europe that these teams are just like so much better than everywhere else in the world i just think that these players are better practiced at the marksman. Their teams are playing better around it. Um, and I think that you can play a variety of strategies. I think that Fnatic would be well served by being able to run both mm-hmm. and, and having him back on a marksman if they can work that in is very advantageous. But I think at the end of the day it's better to have you know one person who can do it all, right? Of course. But not I mean, not but many that's players not can. Exactly. And, I mean, you know, Deft did perform very well on Vel'Koz, for example. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be an advantage for any team who has the flexibility to do it because you don't need to make a sub before the draft so you're not giving away your strategy that being said though there's examples of teams who are doing almost exclusively one type of strategy mm-hmm. for almost all of these uh strategies and being successful so i don't think you need to do it griffin and, and teams like this you know are doing so so much mage bot. g2 is doing all this funnel you know rng is doing all the standard tl is doing all the standard etc like you can do whatever you want as long as you're good enough
0: I did really quickly take some numbers from just the NAEU Rift Rival Final and the LCK LPL Rift Rival Final. Uh, Mage bots were six and two, funnels were one and two, and standards were three and seven, just to add some mm. very small sample size data into it. Kobe, what are your thoughts? I think so.
1: I do agree that it's definitely an advantage to be able to play both. Yeah. Um, and I, when all the complaints were coming up, uh, I understood where the complaints were coming from of people who have only, you know, played AD carries or whatever for their whole li- their mm-hmm. whole league experience, right? Multiple years. Um, however, when AD carries did make their way to mid lane, right? We had Lucian and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember hearing any mid laners complaining. Oh, I got to play a marksman now. Yeah. Yep. Even though Lucian as kind of the example, when he moved in, like, he was the... M- major mid lane bully right you yeah. like you everyone just got like pushed out um when he first made his way in there um and like you couldn't you couldn't play like a lot of champion, a lot of things you know, into Zaeth and anything like that um that's just kind of an aside like the holistic view and I know <laughs> that they are trying now to make more small changes to uh try and accommodate the possibilities of using all types of champions um, down there, yep. which is like a very uh, it's it's lofty
0: amb- goal. It's an ambitious goal, but it's definitely what they're
1: going right, for. Right, but it's what they're going for. Um, and we don't have a lot of time, you know, on this patch yet still. We're looking back at the data for mm-hmm. pro, pro games, and there are plenty of examples of both sides mm-hmm. uh, being successful. And it's hard... Because we don't have we don't have that level of the pro player as far as in the matchup, mm-hmm. um, feeling what it's like. But we can look at the pro games. Plenty of them are being successful with them as well. Also, if you want the bigger sample size, you always go to worldwide yep. solo queue. You can draw from that and the win rates, which to be fair, do not always correlate with professional uh, picks. Yeah, you know, we have had many times had like forty percent uh, solo queue win rate champions be pick and ban. Uh, mm-hmm. or close to it in professional play, like Azir and, and things like that. Um, scattered throughout the solo queue, at least, uh, numbers, are AD carries. The the consistency here, though, is that the ones that rely very heavily on crit items are much further down the list. Yep. Uh, and that makes sense because crit was one of the the main avenues that was like double nerfed because mm-hmm. they nerfed base stats for AD Carry Champions as well as the crit items. And I know that you know they, on the PBE and uh, even in the last patch, they've been starting to make these small buffs back towards it to buff it up a little bit. But I yeah. think it'll be very interesting when we end up with, oh, the best way to scale is to have a marksman. Yep. Now you need to craft your strategy around making sure that you can have this scale so you can have these true damage crits mm-hmm. firing off you know, late game and you'll be able to for sure win the team fights if yeah. you can protect him. Which um, is the versus, case? Yeah, more early game orientation. You get a level six. You have a lot more burst damage with mages. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of, it's more, it's intuitive. I feel like, yeah, uh, and, and you know, makes a lot of sense with how you're going to want to draft around um, those different champions in the bottom
0: lane. And I do think that that uh, difference exists already in the solo queue game. If you're going to take a crit scaling marksman and your team is able to get you to late game, you're still gonna dominate. Mm -hmm. But pro play in particular, because of how coordinated people are, always makes better advantage of early game advantages. I think that's one of the reasons that Aatrox is so busted is because his level one is the best in the game. And he gets that early edge that is larger than other early edges, and you play through that the entire time. So I think with the current balance, While I don't 100% agree with Reckless, that he's just a useless player because he hasn't mastered these 10 mages, that when people are continuing to practice these mage bots with no farther changes to AD carry scaling, we're going to see mages probably 75% of the time, is kind of my gut, because of their ability to bully lane at level 6, because of the flexibility they give your support to roam once you leave him, and because of how difficult it is to actually scale up into that point. It doesn't mean that 80 carries are unviable. I think Uzi will always be able to be one of the top five players in the world in that position, even if he doesn't play mages. But I do think most teams are going to trend towards mages.
1: For me, I just hope that the balance team and I I actually want them to also make it so that these champions are viable for our players at home. Because I Mm -hmm. totally understand there are so many players that are very upset with with those changes because they only like playing, you know, Twitch, uh, Jinx, uh, the, these crit AD carries, right? Yeah. And that's what they've spent years playing. So I think both, that they're more... Both those champions more... Have over 51% win rate. In I actually right. think they're more I, viable and in I, solo
0: queue than they are in pro. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and if that's true, like, that's, that's the only... That's what I, mm-hmm. I want for the players, mm-hmm. right? So that mm-hmm. they don't feel like they can't play their, you know, these champions. Totally. Um, now... Yep even if they say they can't play these champions, that's not always true, right? Your reaction to getting blasted in lane <laughs> a lot of the times is, I can't play against this, right? Yeah. I've, I've had that,
0: right? And then you literally win the game that you couldn't play. You're like, ah, I they can't play this champ again. Yeah.
1: No. They're like, oh, it, it's impossible to win this matchup, yeah. uh, right? And, you know, uh, then you try and play the, the, ca- yeah. the reverse of it. And,
0: and sometimes <laughs> it is impossible to win the matchup, but it's still very possible to win the game. Yeah. It's just a matter of whether or not you want to play that yeah. way. Yeah,
2: yeah, totally agreed. It's not always
0: fun to get yeah. slammed in lane. Uh, one last thing I want to talk about as far as meta before I move on to the North American LCS is the funneling strategy. So Medler posted his quick thoughts today, July 7th, and he basically went into a little bit more detail on some of the proposed changes to nerf funneling. So as is kind of the current trend, the bottom lane is deemed to be mostly okay with some small buffs to marksman still probably coming, but funneling is something the balance team definitely wants to attack. So... The changes that they are going for is they say there's not enough, uh, there's not an elegant fix without too much collateral damage. But because funneling is a strategy they want to get rid of, it's time to put in a little bit less intuitive, less clear change. So the temporary solution is to heavily reduce gold from lane minions if you have a tier one or tier two jungle item and have the most gold on your team. So once you've completed a warrior or a cinder hulk or a runic echoes, you won't get punished, but in that initial funneling portion where you have the either the challenging spite that's not completed or just the talisman, if you have the most gold, you're not going to be able to snowball your gold ahead of the team. What do you guys think of those that attack?
2: Um. So my initial thought, like I, you know, it's, it was talking talking about like the actual goal differences at different times. My thought is this doesn't really do much of anything. Like I, because so I was actually looking at um a specific game, looking at you know G two versus Echo Fox and, and their funnel game and, and the gold benchmarks. So to so complete- that's a
0: game where the funnel got pretty blocked. Like that was a two v two that was pretty even.
2: Yeah. So this exactly. So this is the G two. This is G two game. I I believe Mm -hmm. where G two was funneling, right? And so they don't even have a massive amount of gold, right? Um, And and basically, what
1: I was saying is like that was a poor funneling game. Yeah, that's a game where the first actually did not have a big like lead in CS. They messed up. Yeah, I know that's that's actually going to
2: show my point more. Um, So so the gold like the gold you need for a jungle item complete is uh twenty six twenty five for Blood Razor, for Rune mm-hmm. goes for Warrior, the ones that you're gonna actually build. Right. You actually reach even in this game, perks reach that gold benchmark at about Seven minutes, right? So it's like, you know, if if we talk about like benchmarks or gold benchmarks at 15 minutes and how far ahead they are, you can get that completed goal item at seven minutes. Like you're not actually massively ahead most of the time in gold. But Um, would you
0: get it at seven minutes with the nerfs is the question.
2: Yeah, because, because he has because he's he's not he's not really ahead of of the rest of the people on his team or very or very slightly right like a lot of people I feel like um, I mean maybe it, maybe it is gonna make a bigger difference than I think but I yeah. just feel like you can complete it so early that it's not like it's not affecting mm-hmm. your scaling for the most part um, and generally speaking in in the goal funneling games I've watched maybe I'm, I'm misrepresenting this but I feel like. They are not massively ahead of where their top laners are and their and right. where their soul laners are. But, but as that, long as they're ahead at all, they're gonna yeah. get less yeah. gold. The
1: the degree to being ahead doesn't matter. Like that's the whole point, right? Mm. If he is 10 CS two jungle camps or whatever ahead. Well you're still most- you're
2: still getting more gold than that person, though. Like so because yes, you are getting 10 reduced gold on the minions, but that only kicks in when you have more gold than them. And that is not affecting the jungle monsters whatsoever. So you're still going to have more gold theoretically, mm. like in this world where you're outpacing them. And I still believe that you're going to be able to complete your jungle item at like Pretty seven, early. eight minutes. And then it does not affect you at all. I think this is like a, a hit to it, but I don't think that it's it's like massively changing the strategies. And when I've seen it in solo queue, the people are are often not even very far ahead until later once they actually like really get going. Mm-hmm. Um, and those types of games, I don't think it affects. It only really affects the games uh, that are like where you're, everything is so optimal and you're completely maximizing farm and you're blasting way ahead of them. Then you can complete it that much faster. In it and maybe maybe like slows that down a bit but like uh, even with the new strategies where people are 2v2ing mid like that is holding the funnel down so they don't mm-hmm. even really skyrocket ahead in gold until later on I
1: do think that this slows it down more than you're thinking
0: because um, as long as you have more gold than other people like imagine that range minions give you four gold if you have a jungle enchantment yeah. right that that makes the early game funnel, Useless until seven or eight minutes as far as getting ahead. Because someone on your team would actually have mm. to have more gold than you in order to actually farm up your jungle chance. So if it delays that enchant by a minute and a half, I actually think that's pretty huge.
1: However, yeah. Regardless of that,
0: regardless of whether or not the, the effect,
1: I, I have problems with this that aren't with the actual changes and the, the way of thinking about going about solving this problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, one of the main things that they drill into you. Um, in school uh, or at least for me for engineering has always been root cause analysis and solving the root cause of the problem and not attacking the symptoms in their explanation here Mm -hmm. um, where they they mentioned the other ideas that they came up with and why they went with this admittedly heavy-handed and ugly like they use a lot of these terms Mm -hmm. to describe their own change um, is because They feel like the biggest difference that they're seeing is in the champion having around 50% more gold at the 15-minute mark than the opposing mid laner. That is the symptom. That is like if... uh, So the example for engineering would be if there's a crack in your dam and there's a bunch of water flooding the town below. Mm -hmm. um, They're like, there's a shit ton of water in the town. Let's get helicopters over there and buckets and bail out the town. Whereas what you're... Uh, what they teach you to do is first plug the hole in the dam. Then you can treat the symptoms afterwards. And I don't feel like putting this weird cap on mm-hmm. the person that's getting all this gold. And you're like, ah, uh, now the gold is capped.
0: What I really don't like about it is that if it's, you have the most gold, you don't know that you have the most gold until you farm. I wasn't even done yet. Okay. But
1: exactly. <laughs> you can't check where where these measurements are. So these are unseen mm-hmm. um you know, borders that are that are being put on you. In addition, there are other things that could naturally happen in the game. You know, obviously, if I'm Pretty a jungler, bit. I'm getting, like, a triple kill or something early on, then I can't tax my the opponent's lane as hard or whatever. My, or even just my, push uh, out
2: the wave. My my if, if you have a 2v2 yeah. top, you yeah. get a double kill your top laner
1: and dies. And you get 12
0: gold for clearing the back wave.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, you know, people have been complaining about solo carrying. This mm-hmm. would limit... Um, some more super hard solo carrying of a jungler for their jungle (laughs) position. Uh, As Azale said, you know, you should be able to complete your jungle item pretty quickly anyway. Um, But those are just kind of some problems with the overall kind of approach that I had. Uh, with yeah. this solution, yeah. and I know that they're well aware that this is not you know, a great solution or whatever, so uh,
0: they're probably thinking of this as a Band-Aid while they work on it more and come up with something. That is but. what they say. They think they're gonna... They, they actually kind of want this Band-Aid to happen until preseason. Like, huh. they're hoping it's actually a long time. Yeah, they're hoping to band aid it. And then when the larger scale changes are, are going to be hitting, yeah. it's it's funny too. Because I was talking to some people on playtest that were testing these changes, and
2: they were saying they're just winning with funnel every game anyway. Like, So they've been doing a lot sure. of iterations,
0: yeah. This, right? So, like, they've tested experience changes, they've tested support item changes, yeah, tested this. They're they're trying to find the most. And, like, to Kobe's yeah. point, I agree with you that there's a lot of flash this, but do you have? Like, would you rather hit support items? Do you have a more elegant solution, or have you just not put the I can't solve the problem right now. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, and I think that's (laughs) part of the problem. I haven't put any, yeah,
0: yeah, effort into it, so. All right. Moving on. Sweet, either way, they're gonna continue to hit funneling. Let's move on to the North American LCS. Week four is coming up. Let's first start with that log jam we have at the top of the standings. One team that's there that didn't play in Rift Rivals is Team Solomid. Uh, This week, they play 100 Thieves and Echo Fox, two teams that did play in Rift Rivals. So it will be a good opportunity to put some space between them and the other teams at the top of the table, considering they actually would have a hard schedule in that case. They're playing two, four, and two teams. How do you see that plan- panning out?
2: The, the kind of funny thing about this I feel like is if TSM has a good week then every, every, all the NA fans have like their excuse right <laughs> You know, It's like well our good team wasn't at Rift Rivals that's why we lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think yeah I mean it, it is a really big week for TSM um, but uh, like there's kind of been this dark cloud over TSM ever since they got knocked out of quarterfinals and people ha- have just kind of I feel like forgot that they were so good Darn at the end of class. spring. Yeah, I mean, it's just like everyone's yeah. like, yeah, well, TSM blows. It's like, well, they went 10-1 <laughs> and one in their last level. All right, not everyone. <laughs> not everyone. Not <laughs> everyone, but the general perception, right? Like, I, oh, I'm, ta- I'm not talking specifically about you, Kobe, don't worry. <laughs> um, but... I do feel like this is this is uh, an opportunity for them to kind of prove themselves, right? Like, it seems like they have been uh, really working hard and, and kind of trying to improve. Um, but there's still questions about their roster, even like, you know, Grig and Mike Young and these sorts of things. We also don't know... Uh, what Why didn't they pick Thieves, up media?
1: So... Uh, maybe
2: they want to. Um, we don't know, like, what 100 Thieves is going to run. We don't know what Echo Fox is going to run. So this is kind of, like, a big week for, I think, all those teams uh, and, and maybe trying to, like, solidify uh, what their roster is going to look like going forward and... And really showing again that they can compete at the top.
0: Yeah, and for TSM, I wonder if we're going to see an actual change in strategy from them, versus continuing to play Varus, Kaisa, I think that's Ezreal, what we're get. Did you see Erickson
1: and Grig practicing funnels on stream? Yeah, that was like two weeks <laughs> ago,
0: dude. They should be super polished by now. Yeah, could could very well be the case. I don't. I don't expect yeah. it, I think though. if TSM doesn't do well this week, it's a really bad sign. I think that it's... That especially with 100 Thieves most likely playing with a new jungler and Echo Fox actually looking like the weakest version of Echo Fox we've seen with the way they lost at Rift Rivals, this is technically a golden opportunity for TSM to actually move into first place or at least to tie for first place with Team Liquid. Mm. So,
1: these teams do have different goals. like Slightly different goals. Mm-hmm. Because... Echo Fox, you know, 100 Thieves, Team Liquid, they went far in spring. They have lots of championship points. Um, these teams are trying to win spring, and then uh, the second spot, spot is awarded on on championship points. So mm-hmm. those two teams can immediately go to Worlds. Some of these teams, um, the large percentage chance for them to get in is they're going to have to play their way through um, to qualify for the third spot for Worlds, right? Right, so you have to play qualifier. in the regional qualifier anyway. hmm um, and TSM, because you know they got knocked out so early, they don't have a lot of points to rely on. So as long as they get to a point where they feel like they're strong enough to go through the regional qualifiers, mm-hmm. that might be the main goal. I don't know if the, the main goal is always to win, right? Always to win spring. Um, but some of these teams, I feel like, should be adjusting um, where they're looking at for their end point if they're going through things like roster changes and you know yeah. they're trying to to shift things around then t- like you kind of have to focus right you can't go for everything at once
2: yeah tsm needs to look more short term maybe than some of the other teams because like you say like they, they they don't really have championship points whereas 100 thieves is kind of sitting in a better spot if you're 100 thieves you just made a big roster change maybe you try to really figure out your style and, and look more towards worlds because you have a you're you're guaranteed to at least be in the regional gauntlet whereas mm-hmm. tsm isn't even guaranteed that mm-hmm. right like they need to get a good seating and, and do decent in playoffs and playing the same way that they have played and what they're comfortable with probably is the best chance. Like, I was just looking at Zven's solo queue, and he has been putting in some Heimer games and whatnot. Like, he has he has Heimer games, he has Mord games, he has all these different bot lane games, but yeah. his top seven most played are all marksmen, even yep. in solo queue, right? So it's not like he's spamming these champions and he has 15 games of Heimerdinger or whatever. So, um, you know, they're, like, he's putting in some time, but I am thinking that TSM is, they just i have always struck me as a team that, like, this is the way we play and we just polish this way and it feels like that's not going to really change um, because there's like other factors that they're probably more concerned about getting right, which is, you know, fitting in Greg or fitting in Mike Young and, and really kind of working better together.
0: Yeah, he has 17 games on Hammer oh, Okay, there
2: you well, go. Well, and because
0: his 80 his carries spawn through spring as well. Like, Sven is actually, to me, a player that's played a, a lot of these in solo queue, but just hasn't brought them out in the LCS. And he's got 42 games of Swain, 37 games of Vladimir, uh, 23 games of Brand, and that's just on that account.
1: Is Sven even who you're looking at if you're looking at improving this team, too? Because I think uh, Mithy, and even self admittedly, you know, he's been, uh, in his own eyes, underperforming pretty heavily. Yeah. Um, So I don't even know if it is that much about deciding on the specific strategy to run. You can say, OK, we're decided we're going to play all or most of our games in, in this way. And they need to work on, you know, individual improvements mm-hmm. uh, from the underperformers. Uh, and then on the cohesive team strategy, just to literally get... Get that down. Mithy's having a rough time in solo queue. Yeah. Two and thirteen
0: in his last fifteen. Ooh, <laughs> that's yeah. I know. I, that's... How's his Gragas? By the way, he's someone who I've seen play a lot of Gragas. He has thirty-eight Gragas games played, fifty-three percent win rate. That's the one pick that I've seen a lot of from these guys in solo queue, but it just hasn't made it to the LCS. He's a seventy percent win rate on Thresh. Where's the Thresh man? Where's Thresh at? Anyway, uh, (laughs) speaking of the championship points, though, TSM has 10, Cloud9 has 10. That actually puts them in a situation where if they miss playoffs, they miss the regional qualifier. Mm -hmm. So that puts a lot of pressure on our last place team in the North American LCS, who has made it to five consecutive world championships, Cloud9. Sole possession of 10th. Sole possession of 10th. They play FlyQuest and CLG and the number one question... Is what will their starting roster be, and what should it be?
2: I think it's I think it's your your previous team. It's Sneaky and Jensen are back in. Smoothie is in. I think they say, "All right, boys, we had a good run with the Academy team. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but, one in five. Say, all right, right boys.
1: <laughs> is
0: everybody motivated? Yeah. You motivated? He, motivated? You're looking pretty you motivated. motivated. Yeah. Sneaky's like
2: asleep, you know. Nice like, one in
0: five. start, boys. Get motivated. Yeah, uh,
2: I, I think you you abandon the plan. I mean, it feels bad because I think the Golden Glue has individually looked pretty good. I think he is he has put in a pretty good performance but they're not winning. I think it's time to, to go back to, to your, your veteran players. I mean I've had this conversation with a couple pros and everyone's kind of like yeah well Jensen and Sneaky probably would have had a couple more wins at least. You know like everyone's like. <laughs> well a the they... couple more wins means they're 3-3. Three three. Exactly. Everyone's like well they can't be that bad with the regular team. These guys made it to World Court Finals. I think it's time to, to, to go back to basics. Um, See if, if Sneaky and Jensen can, can get you some wins because Sneaky is playing a lot. He's doing what well in academy he, he's spamming solo queue as he always does mm-hmm. like he's he, looking great in cosplay he's looking good looking good, he's look, good. Feel, looking cute feeling cute you know he's,
1: he's he's doing good he's motivated man he's a he's an all-around he's a modern I, man so i think that's a hard uh thing to argue against because yeah. no one's going to be like Hell yeah, I want to see some more of this. They got us <laughs> to <the> 10th <tenth> place. <laughs> it's
2: pretty easy to be like, change some stuff up, bro. Yeah, and especially when changing some stuff up is going back to the person that everyone wanted to be playing in the, in the first place. All the yeah. fans have wanted Sneaky in the first place. He's a big fan favorite. He has had success with them for so long. This is an interesting point.
1: Um, and there's a little bit of a tangent, but because we've had so many you know, player swaps and the trades are getting so much uh, focus... While you do want, you know, to build a big fan base, right? And um, like you're saying, Sneaky is the fan favorite. Everyone wants to see him play. Um, If Cloud9 had put Sneaky in um, and and they had lost all these games and they were 10th and we were in kind of the reverse situation, Mm -hmm. but they had been like talking about this the whole time, um, do you think at a tenth place Cloud Nine, if they had played with the old roster up until this point, do you think people would be calling for the reverse and bringing yep. up academy players? Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know what people really like is winning. Yep. yep. Now, and do, making worlds. Do, yeah. Do your sponsors and and your fans, they love you know individual players and personalities. Um, do they love that more than winning? Now, that hasn't you know, panned out or whatever. You're, yeah. you're not going to instant be undefeated or whatever if you mm. switch. But theoretically, if we push it to the extremes, I think
0: that's a fun like thought experiment. I think no matter who is on your roster, if you have the last place LCS team and the first place academy team, you're going to say, give those academy boys some reps. Even if it's the
1: extremes of your, you were literally
0: sneaky in the so, two most popular yes, players. Yes, I, I think if yes. If Bjergsen is losing every game, people turn Blaze Olive That's is true. the best player in academy, going legendary every game. You put him in for a game if if it means you're not going to make it to Worlds. Now, the thing is, this is the the worst case scenario mm-hmm. for Cloud Nine. The fact that they did it early when public perception wasn't ready. And now it's failed because the growing pains of Academy players is usually closing late game victories. Mm -hmm. They have the second best early game in the LCS to Counter Logic Gaming and then by far (laughs) the worst late game. Yeah. So based on the hint of success... Do you still put Sneaky back in? I think you have to at this point because otherwise it's just a double lose. And at least at this point, you're giving him a chance. But it's because of the results, it's a disaster.
2: And, and there's no more time to ramp up. Like you said, you, know, you finish. You didn't finish high enough in spring to even <laughs> guarantee you that get get into the regional. Gauntlet. They have a big run to make to even make playoffs. Right? Like they have to have a pretty damn decent record uh, to even get to playoffs at this point. And, and just getting the first round may not even be good enough, right? Like They, they want to try to really uh, have some, some instant results. And, and I think, to your point, Kobe, one of the big reasons that people did not accept this change uh, like, uh, of Sneaky being subbed out is they didn't see Sneaky losing. Right. Like, yep. I think that's a big part of it. You you think of Sneaky, you look back, OK, you say, OK, well, yeah, they, they lost in spring or whatever, but people still have like, you know, Cloud9 as a playoff team, Cloud9 as, as a world's quarterfinals team every time and Sneaky there for all of it. Uh, and then obviously all this stuff kind of happened off camera, right? Where we're told, OK, well, he's not motivated. OK, well, they're getting slammed in scrims. No one got to watch that except the team, right? So the team goes through this progression of like, oh, are we really going to stay up Sneaky? Oh, well, I guess he keeps losing. I guess we got to do it, right? Like the fans miss all that. So I think if you put him on, on stage in the LCS and he just gets blasted every game like he, you know, they were apparently losing in scrims every game, that happens on stage instead. Mm. Then the fans start to go, okay, well, Sneaky sucks, I guess. Bring in, bring in uh
1: go fair. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Drop em. But at that point... A right, lot of fans are. But at that point, are you saying it is more worth it to... Have the approval of your fans, or make the call that you think. No, you right.
2: make you make the right call. You make yeah. the right call, and the fans will come around. Because that's
0: what they think they did when they subbed at the start of the year. Like they were just expecting yeah. to get blasted.
2: Winning is the cure for everything. I, I truly believe. For sure. And, but and if, yeah. but, it, but this is the worst of both worlds because yeah. they made the decision that was
1: unpopular, and they they're in them. last place. Exactly. Your your point that multiple of our most popular teams have made big public relation blunders. Yeah. Uh, this year. Mm-hmm. Right, the cloud 9 one obviously they could have they could have handled it a lot better um, even if they did the exact same changes mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. like if they had approached it better and, and been on top of it earlier mm-hmm. it would have probably come across at least a little bit better yeah, yeah. Um, even if they didn't have people fully on board 100 thieves as well yeah um, they they felt like they didn't have anything ready to go and they sure. were catching up that's why we're all like some crazy must have happened on the inside yeah mm-hmm. um, and even back to the beginning of the split, uh, TSM's change with double lift and stuff like that—that yeah. that was everyone knew that was going to be a big fan thing as well. So
0: yeah, yeah. There's still a lot they to could, be solved. They can definitely improve in some of these areas in the next six weeks of LCS. Does Cloud9 make playoffs? No. Just blanket statement right now. I think yes. I think, <laughs> I think, I think they're going to do it. I think
1: I, think I just want to make playoffs.
0: playoffs. I want to see them
1: squeak into playoffs. So then. Our stories for the regional qualifiers are gonna be like, can they make the miracle yeah. run Azale, again? You wanna do I you want to do a bet? <laughs> I don't feel
2: confident enough to make a bet. This is just a, a random, blanket statement.
0: Oh, I, mean, I don't feel pussy. confident. I, they're one in five. They're I'll, alone in last. I'll take a bet. What All the right. hell? Yeah.
2: All right, they'll all right, they'll all right, make playoffs. All right, all right, we'll make Shame! A, okay, Shame. Wait, what do you want to bet? What's the bet?
0: Ah, uh, I don't know. Wager's going to have to be yeah. later. Twitter, Twitter, send us ideas for yeah, the Azale Jet yeah. bet. We'll pick the best one on the next episode because the yeah. payoff for this is playoffs. It's I, like six weeks away.
2: I just think that the teams, like my, my initial gut reaction of them not making playoffs is just because you look at spring, all the teams were so close together already mm-hmm. and it feels similar to that in summer, but they're starting at a three-game disadvantage.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm getting hard. some good ideas already for this bet. We'll cover cu- it later. Because we'll it's cloud nine and... And they are heavy into cosplay. They are. As well as putting it's, makeup on there's dudes. There's probably
0: some type of cosplay related. So you're saying it. they no. do get in. He's we'll saying see. they don't get uh, in. They, if they, they make it into the regional qualifiers. Maybe the winner wears cosplay. Who knows? The winner <laughs> puts the makeup
1: on the loser who has to cast Cloud9 no. no, in the regional qualifiers
0: in the makeup. Boom! He's Maybe. not even a caster anymore. That's true. Maybe you go cast, we'll put them up there. I mean, especially if Sneaky is still in the academy (laughs) when they make playoffs, maybe like Cassie Academy finals and cosplay or something. We'll see. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Uh, I'm feeling this. All right, we'll figure it out. Nothing locked in yet. Uh, Let's move on to Twitter. Uh, Amin Isa Dr. Uthgar says lots of players talk about not sleeping to practice for this meta. Tons of cognitive function literature shows the degradation of performance because of lack of sleep. Sure, grinding games familiarizes players with champs, but quality over quantity. Thoughts? How
2: many players have, have talked about this? I saw some stuff about LCK players so talking about, like, oh, burning the midnight oil, like, mm-hmm. everyone's not sleeping to do it. But I haven't really seen...
0: I mean, L- LPL coaches talked about at Rift Rivals how okay. they frequently uh, practice from noon until past midnight. Yeah. So, like, one... Like, 2 a.m. or something and then they start again the next day so like 14 hours a day and that's super
2: extreme but you could still sleep your eight eight hours Mm -hmm. during that Uh, I mean I I think if you're giving up sleep to practice extra that is not going to actually help Mm -hmm. you and especially over over time um, I believe Mm -hmm. that that you are going to like really pay the price you are going to get worse and worse over time and you can like, like yes, you can be super extreme. You don't need to practice more than like 14 or 15 hours a day, which still gives you some time to eat and eight hours of sleep, right? And that is the most extreme.
0: The difference between uh, four, like 14 hours of practice and eight hours of sleep versus 18 hours of practice and like four hours of sleep. Yeah, the four hours of sleep is worth much more than that extra four hours of practice. yeah In that scenario.
1: Yeah, I actually looked at a lot of uh, the scientific studies that they did. Uh, when I was in college in the, in this area, because I was very curious about, you know, procrastination, all nighters, yeah, stuff like justifying that. justifying your, your procrastination. There, there, it was overwhelmingly um, your retention, you know, your long term retention, hmm. drastically inhibited uh, if you if you are losing out on sleep, yep. um, because your brain needs that time to reset, uh, or you'll develop these chemical imbalances, um, but. In the short term, uh, like if you cram right before the test, mm-hmm. your, your short term, you should be able to like keep that, but that's not what you're training for in League of Legends. Like I keep trying to like bring up, you're training for you know these instant reactions, right? So you don't have yeah. to think through a lot of the processes, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is muscle memory. So I think a, a heavy training schedule is important uh, for a game like this, so that you get as many things to practice down that you don't have to think about them and they become natural reactions. But not at the cost, um, you know, of at least a baseline of sleep. Yeah, normal sleep.
0: I have this. I've heard this one, and I've heard a few players mention as well. Since you did the research, I want to ask you a question. This was. You're you're eight the source of knowledge. We're, this we're t- testing <laughs> your cognitive. Yeah. Cognitive all right, so all right, all right. I got you. Multiple nights. Let me go find up. it again. Okay. Multiple <laughs> nights of having a lack of sleep drastically inhibits your attention and learning ability. But one night on short amounts of sleep doesn't have that big of an effect, is what I've read. So like as long as you're well-rested, you can have one night with four to six hours the of the World Finals, and be, all yeah, nighter. Fine. But it's when you have subsequent nights in a row that it starts yeah. to have a negative impact on your performance. I looked these up when I was in
1: college still.
0: So if you're grinding, you can have that one night before the tournament without much sleep, and it's fine, as long as you got good rest of the night before. There's, I
1: do remember, I think it was like... Three days in a row of uh, like four hours or something of sleep the they did a test and someone who was, drunk like their blood alcohol level was <laughs> like tw- twice the like, liver or something yeah. performed better in than this in sense than the yeah. person that that hadn't gotten the sleep. Yeah.
2: uh yeah there you go more justifying More <laughs> justifying. kobe's like well i can get wasted and not sleep and i'll be fine
1: my- <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> put the them the together topic. they cancel each other out
2: exactly uh and, and i think the, la- the last thing i'll say is that i think it's also, like the memory stuff, like maybe you're not punished on, on memory as much for having one night with a lack of sleep, but it's also like reaction times, I would assume would be delayed. And, and, and yeah. if you have poor practice, one of the biggest things, I actually think having poor practice is much worse than having no practice because your practice lies to you, right? Like if I'm in there on rocks and I'm playing like shit because I'm tired and you slam me, well... Is Aatrox bad or am I bad? You don't. You didn't learn anything, and in some cases, okay, uh, in some cases, uh, <laughs> it actually teaches you the wrong result. So that's why I think even more so in, in a game like League of Legends, you have to be rested. You have to be performing well to even know what the practice is telling
1: you. Especially in in our game where the matchups pro players constantly disagree. Yep. Um, y'all, you know, someone will message me on DM or whatever after I said something on cast that literally a pro player told me this matchup mm-hmm. plays this way, and they're like,
0: "Nah, it's completely the opposite. You just have to hit him with the spell." Yeah. Uh, next Twitter question from Evan Floors at Wintersteel23, who literally made this Twitter account just to send us this tweet. He's what a lad! Appreciated one like. That's a man. Actually, says, Twitter should appreciate us. Yeah, for making him sign up for Twitter, so it mm. Do we get a products. referral fee? Yeah. Bjerg has been here for years. He doesn't take an import slot, but people still say he's an EU mid. If he denounced you and said he was an NA mid, would we consider him to be an NA mid <laughs> citizenship? At what point do we start considering an import to be an NA player? If I like, ever. I like where your head is at, Evan. Uh, Dave, our producer,
2: will totally agree with this as well. We'll have I was a ceremony. To see if, so I'm going to get we'll flamed for this. We'll make him denounce Evan you. Evan is the name
0: of our EU writer. Is his last? Is this from our EU writer asking us a question about Bjurkson? I, I really I tried doubt to look it. this I up. I doubt it. You doubt it? Yeah. It's happened before, where they sneak in those Twitter uh, questions. <laughs> yeah, we'll find out. I don't
2: well, remember his last. Name. At what point is an NA mid? I mean, he plays for a North American team, but he's he's never going to become North American. Like I mean, I guess if he gets citizenship, he could start It's to not a writer. <laughs> but um I just checked. I, I mean,
0: at what at what point is an important NA player? I don't know. I mean, I think it is citizenship, but at the same time I look at like basketball Dirk Nowitzki, he's been in, in the NBA for 20 years. Like yeah. do you consider him like an, an American? American? It's like, no. no, he's this amazing German basketball player who's played in the NBA for 20 years. And the
2: European no. fans would never consider him North American even if North American fans... Consider yeah. him North American.
0: But I still take pride in him succeeding. Well, yeah. Because he plays for our league. It depends on one it, of the
1: best North American mids. Let's go, baby. It's an individual's perspective, right? Yeah. Some people are like, wherever you're born, that's you know what where you are, what you what you're from. Uh, and and you can't change where you were born. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as even if you lived here a hundred years.
2: If Bjergson, I guess if Bjergson says he's he renounces the EU, he's North American. And he eats a yeah. hamburger live on broadcast and an Eagle soars over his head. Then he's American and no one can yeah. deny it.
0: But there's like a certain element of how much are they now part of the NA environment versus the EU environment. Yeah. Like they always say the longer a Korean player stays here, yeah. like... Oh, Bjergsen is all in the NA environment. He's all in the NA environment. <laughs> he's solo queued here for six years. He's played on TSN. Mm-hmm. Well, five years. I'm losing track of time. But uh, I think there is something to it of he's very much an NLCS player now. And I think that... Breakpoint actually does happen around like four or five years where it's so far in your past that it doesn't matter as much anymore. Like, yeah, I've lived now in LA for six and a half years. I grew up in Canada and I feel at this point like pretty attached to Los Angeles and Santa Monica because that's where I live and I still go home, right? But the longer I'm here, the more I feel like
2: I feel like um, I'll, I'll always and be Canadian course. and I've been in the States for over five years, but it's, it's individual totally. Yeah. Give it a few more years, yeah.
0: Now, uh, last question. Phil Muir at Snipe Brown says, how would you guys feel about allowing LCS coaches to remain on stage during games and be the sixth man shot caller? Akin to sports like football, basketball, etc.? which teams would see the most substantial improvement? And I will say... This is a bit of a different question, because when you say it's akin to sports like football and basketball, there are specific windows when coaches are able to communicate with their team. Basketball coaches try and shout plays at point guards sometimes, and that's like a play-calling system. Other teams just run freely and call timeouts. Football, there's actually a window in the play clock where a coach can speak directly to one of their players on the offensive or defensive end, only for that little bit of time, and then that person relays it to the rest. So there's some level of communication, mm-hmm. but this would imply that a person is literally talking to the team the entire time. What do you think, a Good yeah, be? We,
1: This one has actually come up a lot over the years yeah. uh, at different points, and as the game has changed, kind of the, the answer has also changed, but um, I personally don't like it, and I wouldn't want it to be incorporated because I like that our game is so much about decision-making mm-hmm. and about... How you're thinking about the strategy of what the overall team is trying to accomplish while also focusing on, you know, executing with your champion, right? And if we have coaches in that position, then some teams will have still have like their player in-game shot callers or whatever. Some will have the coach like trying to yell things or or shout things at them, or maybe we have mm. players. Uh, we have we would have more of a trend of super good players becoming coaches, yeah. you know, just because of how they think mm-hmm. about the game, like in the game and split second decision making. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it completely changes our sport.
2: Yeah, and we've talked about this a couple times before, and we kind of eventually came to the conclusion that it probably shouldn't happen. I think, at least from yep. from our opinion. Um, I mean, I just generally think that yeah, it tests it tests a different set of skills then, right? Like, and then in the ideal world, you have like the 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 genius who sits in the back and, and tells like the mechanical monkeys what to do, right? Like yeah. you sit there and like, I can click my mouse real fast, but I have no idea what to do or who to click on, but you're like, all right, go top. Okay. Do the gromp. All right. Go, you know, like that to me takes away some of like, um, what is super impressive about the game is that there's so many different things that you have to to manage. There are so many different decision trees that you have to actually look at. And mm-hmm. and you talked earlier in the episode about like the you know, the standards that we hold the pro players to about being able to do all these incredible things and holding them to those standards. Is why for me it is so exciting when someone makes everything work. Yep. When they have that beautiful game where everything is perfect, the junglers always there to counter gank. They have the most farm. They've warded everything. They've smite steal the dragon. They do everything, and you're just like, holy crap! Like that was actually incredible. And and I think you lose a lot of that if you just have someone standing bes- behind him, being like, yeah. Kobe do Gromp, Kobe smite now, Kobe go bot, Kobe go. You know, like. Yes.
0: Yeah. I also think it's would be incredibly hard for everyone involved to like actually yeah. get good. Um, what is the coach watching? Which screen are they paying attention mm-hmm. to? How do they have the knowledge of all the matchups at once? You can't. See it would certainly at once. make coaching more. important. Do they get their own computer <laughs> to spectate, right? Or do they actually have to just like look over everyone's shoulders, <laughs> <laughs> right? Running around, <laughs> so yeah. Many yeah. sliding back and forth on a chair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just telling Mike Young where to go. Like, yeah. there's it. It would be. It would be a mess to implement. I think if it was perfected, sure, it would improve the level of play a little bit, but I agree, I like the game the way well, it is. Well,
1: it would also make it so different from people at home, mm. right? So how do I transition yeah. to being a pro player? I'm challenger and solo queue or whatever. I, I start flaming the pro players. because ah, They don't even know what they're doing. Monkeys, someone's telling yeah. them what to do. I'm <laughs> yeah. better than them.
0: Yeah, anyway, league is good with five players and a coach for Pix Bands. That is going to do it for this episode of the Dive. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, also, a reminder, we are being forced to do a promo for EUphoria, which we're really thrilled about. So keep an eye out for that. It should probably release at next week's episode. Otherwise, the NALCS returns this weekend starting on Saturday with NALCS Countdown at 1.30 Pacific time. And that's followed by Counter Logic Gaming for Echo Fox. See you then.
1: Hey, we got graphics. Woo! Did you see graphics. That?
0: Boom! 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 Who set the boom?